0: And so we're going through the book of Acts as we go through throwback. And um, so this is a portion of scripture that I really, really love in the book of Acts. Um, It's just one that gets me excited. It's really cool. Um, But as we kind of start talking tonight, I want to tell you guys about my weekend last weekend. Because last weekend, I actually got the opportunity to go home and visit my family. I went home to visit my family because it was my mom's birthday, okay? Okay. But um, I'm not going to tell you about that. More, I'm going to tell you about my bedroom at my home. Okay? Because my bedroom at my parents' house is like a time capsule. Like if you froze time in like 1998, right? And then it didn't move again, that is what that bedroom looks like. Okay? So there is still like a leopard print bedspread. spread leopard print, um, curtains, leopard leopard print, everything. There were two bean bags, but I think we finally got rid of them. But I was like just super into animal print, especially leopards, so that's the whole bedroom. Um, there's actually like an old prom corsage hanging on the wall. There's these adorable love letters from that man right back there. And like pictures that he drew me and, um, and pictures of Spider-Man and stuff, and so that's really sweet. Um, but yeah, it's like falling into a time capsule. Every time I walk in that room, I kid you not, I kind of chuckle. And especially, like, if Matt's not there and my dad's not around, I'm like, hmm. Like, this is just so dorky now. Um, and it's so, like, I don't know. Like, I'm a grown woman, but I still have this, like, teeny buffer bedroom when I go visit my parents, and it's kind of fun. So when I stay there for a long time in the summer, I think I just revert back to, like, little girl Jackie when I'm um, But so... There's a reason I really, really like it, and part of it is because it points me back, like we've been talking about in this series so back it points me back to a time in my life when um, God did a lot, and so when I walk in, I see that room, it kind of takes me like right back to that time frame, and it points me to like a place that, that Jesus um, did a lot in my life, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but first, I brought some like goodies from said room, okay, because so I just thought you guys would get a kick out of this. So the first one... Okay. I'm like, don't be too harsh, because I seriously wore these. We have these uh, platform, fuzzy combat boots. Combat boots. Um, Matt actually asked me what outfit I wore these. There's actually a picture of me in these suckers. I didn't bring both, so nobody could steal them when we were on campus, because they're just bad, and nobody should. Okay. Um, here's a throwback shoe for you, okay? Um, every time I go in my house right there is this magazine. Oh my God. I, I think I slip through it every time I go home. <laughs> it's just like, what did we wear? Oh my gosh, why did we do that? Um, okay, and, and it's got Mandy Moore on the cover, which is really kind of fun, because a show just came out, and she's in it again, and so like, I can't any longer say where is Mandy Moore, um, because there's a new show on NBC that she's like, come back out. Um, but anyway, she's, she's still real pretty. But... There's this magazine, and then, so here's one more, and I think this might be the funniest one. Only one of you has seen this. Um, And I found a bunch of these. And this is me, when I was 15. Um, So this is the girl, when I share my story, this is what she looked like then. Full with like the little like weird headbands that like scrunch pieces of your hair, and like the collar coming out of the sweater because girls wore that in. I don't, I don't know, um, but we did. And so this is me. Um, my maiden name is Sawyer, so you guys didn't know that. There's a fun fact. And there's actually about a hundred of these <laughs> under my bed I was very, very sure that I was going to be like the next CW star back when it was the WB.
1: and yes. I actually was pursuing
0: like modeling, acting—no joke kind of agent, like doing the full thing. We grew up in Atlanta, right? So um, it was readily available. I've appeared in like one, um, one commercial. It aired in Latin America. <laughs> so no one of another thing that never actually came out. And so that was my extensive acting career. Um, (laughs) I'm going to hide this now or it's going to come back. But but when I talk about, when I share my testimony, this this is the girl. This is the girl. Let me share my testimony about it. Um, It's just kind of funny. I'm trying to be super cool in that. You know, like, I don't know. Um, But yeah. So it's fascinating for me, I'm gonna put this away now. I'm gonna turn it over so I don't laugh, because um, it reminds me of the incredible things that happened around that time. Just 15, very much looking like this girl, um, me. Right? <laughs> Only, um, had, you know, anyway, things have changed, but but that's how I looked then. And God kind of interrupted my life. Like I said, I was trying to um, go after just being famous. I think I just really wanted to be somebody. I wanted to matter. I didn't feel like I did at all. Um, and so there was like a lot of home life stuff that was a big mess. And um, like that was really, really kind of hard. And It was driving me down and down and down. And then so I was like, well, things aren't comfortable at home. I'm not happy here. I don't feel important here. I feel like I matter. So I went towards relationships, right? And there was a lot of, of voice to like a voice to make me feel like I matter. You know. Um, he might for like a day, and then the next day he'll screw up because he's a human. And so anyways, I was going after relationships, and I was trying to find satisfaction there. And um, kind of in the course of that, I was dating a guy for a really long time, and um, one night he raped me. So I kind of like had this really like earth-shattering. Like I said, I was 15, and so like at that point, that wasn't super normal for 15-year-olds. Things have gotten like a lot more. I share and meet more and more people that are like yeah, yeah, I totally understand. Um, but that happens, and like I said, home life wasn't good, so I really thought I could go talk to my parents, and then, so, it ended up that at 15, I'm really freaked out, um, missed my period, for adults, so we can say that, right, and I thought I was pregnant. And I'm like, I can't tell my parents, I don't know what to do, I can't drive, so I can't actually, like, go anywhere to, like, handle this in any way. Um, so it's kind of basically had a panic attack and fell on my floor in my bedroom the left front one on my knees that's why I like it like because it reminds me of this um, as I fell on my knees in that bedroom and I prayed and I was like God you're real like I just absolutely need you to can help me and in that moment you know it wasn't like the Holy Spirit spoke and was like Jackie I'll help you you're not pregnant like nothing like that <laughs> but it was like in that moment the, the presence of God just so absolutely filled that room that all of a sudden there was peace and I realized like undeniably there was a God the God who I was true and I wanted to follow him and it was like I know it doesn't happen like that for everybody but for me it was just in that instant it was just like everything changed and so I got up a completely different person then I got down on my knees that was really interesting my friends cause like they didn't see any difference right so it took a little while to like learn to walk that out but it was really cool because it was like what God did in my heart, it was real. And so it started to change. But all of that to say um, that this room reminds me of all of that. So, so if you can think, like, for a few years it was overwhelming. Like, I would go home and then, like, by that night I would just cry because it was like, a lot, right? But now it's like I walk in there and I'm like, man, I've done so much in my life. And it started right here, and I can point to the spot in the carpet where there's probably still some leftover snot from, like, the crime that happened during that prayer, right? And, and I'll, I seem to be like, God, like, right here, that's where I was, and that just kind of is really neat, you know, now, because God has, like, kind of brought me out of that situation, and, you know, obviously he's me a fantastic husband, who's absolutely loving and caring, we're never doing anything like that, you uh, know, and just kind of changed things around and stuff, and so in that moment, right there in that bedroom, Jesus became like the love of my life. It's kind of one of those things because like I couldn't see anything, I couldn't hear anything, but I knew it was real and I knew I had to get to know him, right? And um, so all of that kind of connects to our message because we're gonna talk about the honeymoon stage and when the church was in the honeymoon stage. Okay? And so you guys know what I'm talking about when we say honeymoon stage, like have you ever had a friend? who, like, got a new boyfriend, got a new girlfriend, or had somebody they, like, really like? Anybody? Anybody had a friend that's crushing? Right? Okay, I'm going to pick on girls because I'm a girl. Okay, so that's, that's why we're going to do that, not gonna pick, pick on G's. But, like, girls, we know that when we, like, fall for a guy, or your best friend falls for a guy, then all she talks about is, what the guy. The guy. Yeah, you get it. And so, you know, say his name is Roger, she's like... Roger, 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 and you're lying at Starbucks, and you're trying to tell about your day, and, and you're like, I, I just got out of class, and she's like, oh, Roger has a class. You know, you're like, I don't care, you know, that Roger has a class, but she's like, yeah, his class is hard, Is your class hard, his class is hard, like, before you even answer. And, and so it's just, everything's like, Roger, 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 right? And um, I mean, John Faber says we glorify that, which satisfies us, so obviously in that moment, she's really satisfied in that guy. Um but we could like aim higher, right? Um but but really like we can kind of, I'll I'll kinda of understand that the honeymoon stage thing and then like some of you guys um you might be younger, might have like older friends or whatever that like, get married. Um and then like have you ever had the friends that get married and then like this? Is a right? Like <laughs> Like, you're like, we were friends. And then I was in your wedding, and then you invited me to a baby shower. Like, and all this time went by. Um, like, that happens, right? And if we call it the honeymoon stage, right? That people get so hot over heels, they kind of forget everything else exists. Um, but really, that's kind of precious when you think about it. That somebody just, like, so all in to whoever they're loving, that, that it's just, like kind of zeros in on one thing, right? And so we're going to talk about um, when the church was in the honeymoon stage, right? This is the honeymoon stage we see in the Bible. The early church, they're brand new, and so this is the very, very beginning of the Christian church, okay? So we're going to look at Acts 2, 42 through 47. That's it. That's like our whole text for the night. So we're going to hit it and uh, talk through it, and hopefully you guys get encouraged by it. Acts 2.42-47 says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place, sharing everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So this is the very first look we get at the Christian church in the Bible. Like this right here, it's like Luke is writing, and it takes a second to tell us, like, this is what the brand new church looks like. Um... And so the Holy Spirit had come, just as Jesus said he would, right? We already talked about that in the weeks before. And part of the Holy Spirit coming, what happened is what Jesus did became real to them. Because the Holy Spirit had come and he filled them, they finally really, really understand um, what that was all about. And so in the process of that, his love becomes absolutely real to them. Like it did to me in that room. His love just became absolutely real. And that's what's happening to this new church. His love is absolutely real. Um, so begin to understand what the cross meant. And it's the very beginning of this church that they're in the honeymoon stage. So they aren't perfect, right? Like this church, it's not perfect. Um, but there are some things in this passage I think the Lord really wants us to grasp and hold on to. I think this passage is there for a reason. And there's something we're supposed to get out of it and uh, keep for ourselves and hold on to And so there's four characteristics it gives us, right? um, In verse 42, it kind of tells us what this early church was doing, okay? And so we're going to look at each four of those, and then we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, The first one, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So you guys, they were devoted to learning the truth about Jesus. Um, And when we talk about the apostles' teaching, right, this could include sermons the apostles were preaching so like Matt talked last week about what comes right before this in Acts chapter 2 which is Peter's sermon right so they devote themselves to hearing the apostles teach um, and like so if, if you missed that or you want to hear it again here's some things that we haven't really talked a lot about but I'm mean, going to just like plug it right here and then um, you can go find it later we have podcasts right House Memphis has a podcast we're also on SoundCloud so if you're ever like missing a week or want to go back and hear it again, like you can do that totally for free. um, Go look it up. So if you missed last week, you can go hear it. Um, But Matt talked a lot about Peter's sermon and just did a really good job explaining that. Um, So listening to Apostle's sermons, this includes letters that um, the apostles sent to surrounding churches because a lot of times um, you couldn't like upload a podcast, right? You didn't have... The interwebs then, and so they wrote letters, and the letters circulated to the churches, and they would go to the different pastors, and they would have teaching in them that they could then teach the people that were part of their church. Um So there's letters. It's also where we get a lot of the New Testament later. It's letters that were sent um, that become part of the canon. They learned from eyewitness accounts about Jesus. Like Matt also said, you know, there were 500 or more eyewitnesses so as part of this meeting together you know, they're sitting there, they're learning from the eyewitnesses what it was like and what Jesus was about and they learned from the Old Testament because they're mainly, at this point the very first converts, a lot of them were Jewish and so they already had the Old Testament so they're likely going back and pouring through the Old Testament and seeing what the prophecy said and realizing how that lined up with who Jesus was um, and so what does all that mean for us? what does that mean for me and what does it mean for you? And these, we need to be people of the word. Like, we need to be people of the word. We need to be devoted to the Bible, to learning who God is and what he said about himself. It's like he's written a love letter. This is a love letter to you, right? And, like, if a guy or a girl wrote you a love letter, you would probably, like, pull it out and read it, right? But this is this love letter. So many times we don't read it. We don't see what he has to say. But God has said so much to us about who he is, and it's already right here. And all we have to do is, like, open it. And, and if, that like, doesn't work for you, or, like, it's really hard to read, there's a Bible app, and it'll read to you, right? Like, the word is super accessible, but we have to be people of the word. Um, and so we've got to be devoted. So the question for this is, do you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible? You guys, I challenge you to take time every day to read the Bible. If you're like, hey, where do I start? The book of John is great. It was written by Jesus' best friend. And so if you want to hear about somebody, you want to really get to know them and learn about them, like if you can't talk to them, you would talk to their best friend, right? And so his best friend wrote a book all about who he is. And um, it's right there. And then like, you, when you finish John, you flip, and that's Acts, which is what we're studying here. Um, but if you need a place to start, that's a great place to start. But You we, we need to read. Take time every day a little bit of time to read, because that's how we get to know who God is, right, it's through his word, Um, so the second thing it said, they're devoted to apostles teaching, and they're devoted to fellowship, okay, and so the Greek word there is koinonia, and um, it means what's shared in common, a basis for fellowship or community, but to put it super simply, like we put it in Chi they did life together, okay, fellowship, doing life together, okay, (laughs) Um, So the New Testament church, they weren't going solo, right? They weren't going through problems and not telling anybody and putting on a brave face. But you guys, so many times that's what we do today, right? Like you get ready to go to church or cry alpha, and somebody walks up and they say, how are you? And they're being like, man, I'm a wreck inside. I like, be real, you know? Like we're like, oh, good, how are you? You know, like, but that's, that's not real fellowship, right? That's not real at all. And so, Chiapher, we want to be real. Not that we want anybody to, like, come to the place where you're, like, always Debbie Downer. Like, that's not super good. But, um, you know, if you're having a bad day and, like, your brother or sister from Chiapher walks by and they're like, how are you? Be like, yeah, my day's a little rough. Would you pray for me? You know, and, and that's totally something that we should be all about. We should be willing to do life together. Um, so they are all in each other's lives in Christ and they loved each other really well that way. Okay? They loved each other really well that way. We're going to look at verses 43 and 44 again. Um, it says, or I don't know, 44 and on. It says, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity. You guys, they loved each other so much that if there was somebody in their church family that had a need, they sold their stuff so that they could care for them. Like, they helped each other out, and uh, that's incredible to me. Like, I just stop and think about it and like, what would church be like if, like, we legit had a need, and somebody just went and sold their stuff and met it? Like, what would Kayakha be like? What would the church be like? What would the world be like if that's how Christians love? Like, that's crazy, insane love. That's love that costs you something, right? Um, And so in the New New Testament early church, it was completely obvious that if your brother or sister in Christ were in need, you were to help them. They didn't pray about it. They didn't ask God. They just knew. And so I want to pause for a second and tell you guys a story. Um, Matt and I, we've been doing Alpha here. This is our fourth year at Memphis Campus. But before we were here, we did Alpha at the University of Tennessee. And so we got to switch to from orange here. Um, but at the University of Tennessee, through the course of our ministry, we actually had a student who went through, like, eight terrible, terrible experience. Um She was also sexually assaulted. Her assault resulted in pregnancy. And she decided to keep the baby because, like, she was like, I don't know what else to do. Um, So in the course of this, I mean, you think of this situation, you're like, that's horrible. And as somebody, that's like, at that point on staff, you know, we're kind of like praying for her, trying to take care of her and be with her in every way possible, but really wondering how the student body was going to respond to that, right? Like, how are the students of Chi going to respond to this? Um, But you guys, they blew my mind. Like, Chi students blew my mind. They gave her a shower. Like... Everything she needed for the baby was provided by Chi Alpha. Everything. Two students and myself were there when she delivered the baby. Like, undergrad students. Just in there, like, cheering her on, you know. Um, And then after she had the baby, when she had to work, do you know who watched the baby? Chi Alpha students. Like, really, at some point during this process, um, we had, like, because at, at first, like, Matt and I are involved in this, right? We had left to do our internship. And um, when we came back to visit, it was crazy talking to my girls, because one was like, yeah, I did it on Monday afternoon. The other one was like, I can't wait till Thursday. I get to play with her," And, like, I mean, and then, like, one of the guys was like, yeah, I do Saturdays. <laughs> you know, I like, picture it, like, All really, like, so awkward with a baby dude, and I'm like, you babysit every Saturday? You know, and it's like they didn't charge me, they're just loving their sister in Christ. You guys, that was, like, one of the most, like, overwhelmingly cool things I have ever seen the body of Christ do, and it was done by college students, most of which undergrad, most of which didn't have any job, plus full-time job, but they found a way to, like, love and care for their sister in Christ and her child, and I think that that is just crazy incredibly cool right And um, so like i just share that to kind of inspire you that it's like man sometimes we're like i remember being an undergrad and being like what could i do how could i help and like sometimes when you don't have a lot you just have to get to be creative about how you can help you know but if god puts it on your heart you can you can help those around you you can find ways to fill a need even if it's like not the conventional thing you know, like conventionally we would think, man, if one person would just like give a lot every month to her, she could put her baby in daycare. But instead, like this baby grew up like absolutely loved by the church and like is one of the most precious people. She's about the same age as Thomas. And just as far as like loving kindness, like this little girl is one of the most precious people ever. She called me a few months ago. She's like, Hey Auntie Jackie, just wanted to say hey and I love you. Like this is my voice i like, oh, you know, like because it's like, she became like our baby. She's like, high office baby, you know? <laughs> but I just thought that was like, so overwhelmingly cool. Like, that's how to be the church, right? Uh, it was just amazing. And so, they were people of the apostles teaching them, people of the word. They were people of fellowship. They did life together. And then, it, if we need further instruction on how to do life together, it says they shared meals together. <laughs> right? Um, how many know, if you've ever been around Christians, we like to eat. <laughs> right? Like, there's always food after high alpha because if you do not understand worship, if you don't understand why I'm standing up here talking at you, you understand cookies. <laughs> you're like, cookies, yes, I get cookies. Um, and so, anyways, super intentional, because I totally remember being the person that, like, right after that incident on the floor went to church for the first time, and I was like, I don't get anything that happens here, but hey, popcorn. Um, so, so, like, I get it. And if you're like, all I get is cookies, like, totally with you. Um, but I looked up this in the Greek, and so it does include. Um, it does include the Lord's Supper, like communion, but it's not talking about just that. Like they took communion together, which is I heard it taught that way one time. It's not saying they just had communion together. Instead, it's saying they ate together. Um, they had each other over their homes, shared meals, and um, I found this really cool note on this. It was talking about the sharing of meals was one of the most intimate forms of fellowship you could have with another person in the ancient Near East culture. Because when you invited a guest into your home, that was like you're inviting them into your family, you're promising them protection, and you're promising to care for them in that time that they're there. And so it's kind of an intimate thing in the ancient Near East culture to invite somebody into your house to come and eat. And like It's like you're sharing all of yourself with them. We kind of see that... Um, In Genesis 19, when Lot welcomes the angels into his house and and he protects them, that's what that is. It's like a really intimate thing. You invite somebody in and it's like, I'm going to care for you, right? Um, And then also, eating a meal is a description of fellowship with God, and we see that a few places in the Bible, so we're going to look at that real quick. The first one is in Psalm 23. It says this. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So he's saying, you prepare a feast for me. And then in Luke 12, it says this. Um... That, that they're supposed to be waiting for Christ to come as though you were waiting for your master to return from a wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. And the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. And so this is a picture, right? This is a picture of over and over in scripture. This is just two of them that I could find. Over and over in scripture, it talks about us being invited to like the wedding supper of the land. Lamb, us being invited to eat with God, and and all that. When we read it, it's just a picture of like God calling us to like come spend intimate time with Him. Okay, Um, that like that's the picture. Is this ancient Near East cultural? Like I'm inviting you to a meal. I'm inviting you to my family to be part and and one with me and under my protection. Um, And the Bible tells us that at the end of days, when those who trusted Christ as Savior and Lord get to heaven for all eternity. We're told that it's going to be a big meal. It's the wedding supper of the Lamb. We're going to be so welcomed by God in heaven, they will share with us their extravagant meal. Um, So like all this is a picture of of unity and oneness and fellowship with God. Fellowship with one another is like a picture of what we can have with God. Um, And the fourth thing it says, they devoted themselves to prayer. So like I asked, how often do you read the Bible? Yes, how often do you pray? How often do you talk to God? Um, we've got to be people of prayer. And that needs to be, like, together. So we need to pray together. Because, y'all, there's nothing more more amazing than, like, when your brothers and sisters in Christ actually gather together and pray over you and care for you in prayer. We also need to be people of prayer apart where we just have time by ourselves with the Lord. And maybe you're sitting there and you're like me right after I got up because I, like, started learning about prayer, and I'm like, how oh, does one pray, Right? And, and some people were like, everybody knows pray. I didn't know how to pray. Okay? And so I had a youth pastor, and this is what he said. He was like, Jackie, like, sit down on your bed and, like, turn and talk to God like he's sitting right there. And that sounds really elementary, but it really helps. Because it's like God's presence is with us. Like, so we can talk to him like he's right there. Um, but we need to talk to him. We need to spend time in fellowship with him, getting to know him through his word and through prayer. And um, So have a certain time of day, like with your Bible, when you sit and talk to God. Kind of set it aside and build it into your car- calendar. It's one of those things we say in D-Class. We call it bento time, which means built in, not tacked on, right? So it's built into your schedule like a date would be, right? If you have a date, do you know when the date is? Like if a guy's coming to pick you up, girls, like do you know when he's coming usually? Are you going to do that? Yeah? Like, like so you make a date to spend that time with God every day versus just being like, oh, maybe we'll hang out if we run into each other, you know, like we get it, we get it, we prioritize what we care about, and so just look at your calendar and, and be like, hey, like here's the hole of my day, this is some time I can spend with God, um, and pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, like we were talking about, we want to be real, like if your office brother or sister walks by and they're having a bad day. Like stop right there and be like, "Oh, cool! Can I pray for you?" And it doesn't have to be like this big, loud, crazy. You could just be like, "Hey, man, God would you be with them and help their day get better?" You know, Amen. And and I mean, it can be that simple, but take some time to like stand there with them and pray for them. So there's so many times. I think that was kind of revolutionary for me in college because I'd always like told people and they'd be like, "I'll pray for you," right? And they would say, "I'll pray for you," and then they would leave, right? And so the first time that. One of my high-office sisters, like she's like, "I'll pray for you," and she put her hand on my shoulder and she started praying. I was like, "What is happening?" You know, but but I mean, I loved it because so I was like, "Man, I know she actually prayed for me because I was there. I heard it." And and like a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, but it's real easy to say, "I'll pray for you," and then when you go on to the next thing, like you completely forget. So you don't ever forget to pray for a person; you pray for them right then. Uh, so they were devoted to prayer. And so we're going to take a second and talk about, so all of these things are good, right? Being people of the word, being people of fellowship and sharing meals and prayer, these are all good. But I think there's something else we should get from this passage besides just, like, do these things. Is that there was also, for the early church, a heart behind these things. Um, this thought is from a guy named Bob Diffenbach, and I thought he said it better than I could say it. So I'm going to read you what he said. He said it's not just doing the right things, it's more a matter of having right attitudes, having the right heart, and maintaining right relationships. It wasn't just what the church in Jerusalem did that Luke is trying to convey here, it was how and why they they did these things. In the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5-7, through Jesus condemned charity, prayer, and fasting that was done in the wrong spirit and for the wrong reasons. Very impressive works were claimed by people who the Lord said he never knew. And then in Matthew um, 7, we'll look at an example of that. Seven twenty-one, twenty-three. he said, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. You guys, that's pretty haunting to me. That's one of those passages that is like, every time I get there, so absolutely sobering. Um, Because I realize it is so entirely possible for a person to go through their whole life doing the right thing and never be changed in here. Right? Like, it's really possible for us to act right and, like, I mean, everyone else can fall for it, but God, he knows our heart, right? And so our heart has to be right. These new believers, they were like newlyweds. They just couldn't seem to be apart from one another. The activities that were named, the teaching, the fellowship, the sharing meals, and the prayers, they were all corporate activities that they did together. The competitive, me-first attitude that we see earlier in the Gospels that the disciples have is completely gone. This is not just togetherness. It's unity. It's not just human affection. It's just genuine love. And I just think that's incredible. Because there was a place where it went from like doing the thing, to what's real, right? What's genuine. And there was also a sense of awe. that um, was inspired by God's power and presence. And like it said, the apostles were doing miracles and signs and wonders. Um, they knew that the Lord was still with them through the presence of the Holy Spirit and through these things that they're seeing and through this love that they're feeling. Um, the New Testament church was a church in which God was present through His Spirit and He was powerfully at work to glorify Himself by showing his glory and grace. Y'all, this is the kind of place we want to be, right? This is absolutely the place, the kind of place we want to be. And, you know, we want to be in Caiaphas, a place where people walk in and they feel loved and it's not just like, well, I'm a Caiaphas student and like I know that we're supposed to make people welcome so I greeted them and then like move on. Like we want it to be real, genuine, actual care for one another, right? That's who we want to be. Um, so there's this passage, so one last thought, kind of returning to this honeymoon stage idea that we started with, or This, this um, falling in love with Jesus Saint. In Revelation 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Um, it says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? These things says he holds the seven stars in his right hand walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. It says, I know your works and labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. So that sounds pretty good, huh? They've done like a lot of stuff right. Then verse four, it says this, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. And so this is a letter um, written by John in the book of Re- Revelation to the Ephesian church. And he's saying, man, church, like you've done this right, and you've done this right, and you've done this right, and you've done this right. Side note, if you ever need to correct somebody, affirming them first is really good, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's like, you've done this right, and this right, and this right, and this right. But there's this one thing that God isn't pleased about, and it's a big deal to him. It's that you've completely forgotten your first love. What's the first love, Jesus. Like, you've completely forgotten. Like, your heart is completely disconnected. And so he's saying, return to the thing you did at first. And the thing you did at first was loving Jesus completely and passionately and real from the heart. Right? Because it's so easy to just go through the motions and like do the thing and get through the day, but if it's not from the heart, God knows what's real and what's not, you know. And so He's saying, "Return to the things you did at first This text shows us um, that to lose one's first love is to cease to love as you once did at the beginning. When we look at this passage in Acts two, like it describes the church's first love, and it describes the deeds. That one who has lost the first love we need to return to, right? So like those things they were doing, that heart that they had, that's what we need to return to. If you so if you're sitting there and you're like, man, I feel like like that kind of speaks to me because it probably speaks to all of us because I think we all can struggle with that. And um, stop and think like what like what is that for me? Like, how do I return to my first love? And I think the early church in Jerusalem is an excellent example of a church that was marked by real, godly love. Um, and you guys, when I pray, I pray that Caiaphas and Memphis would be a place where people experience this love. Um, that we would do these things that are right, but we do them with a heart that's really genuine. We have real love for God, and we have real love for other people. Um, like what would it look like? Okay, like dream with me for a second. Um, me and God, a lot of times in my quiet time, I ask him questions because that's how I think. And, and I feel like a lot of times the way the Lord gets me to like stop and pause and think about something is, is by presenting a question to me. Okay. So what would it look like in your life if you were to love like this? What would it look like in your life if you were to love like this? What would change? What would change in your own life if you were to love like this? And what would it look like in Caiaphas? if we were to love like this? Like, what would that do to our campus? What would that change about our classes? What would that change about the way everyone sees sees you and and sees this group of brothers and sisters we have? Like, if we love like this. And, like, just think kind of, like, big, expanded, mind-blown thing, right? What if the whole Christian church loved like this? Like, how many needs would be met how many people wouldn't have left the church because they were so absolutely hurt? Like, if we really truly loved like this and cared like this, what would the world be? It would be so much better. It would be so much better. I wrote down this quote. Um, it's by Rolf Bernard from a sermon that he preached. He said, One of these days, someone is going to come along and pick up a Bible and believe it and put the rest of us to shame. And I kind of liked it. Because it's, like, super succinct. It's saying, like, one of these days, somebody is going to come along and actually do the things that we find in here. And it's going to put all this to shame. Because if we just did this, like, how awesome would the world be? Like, if I just did this, how awesome would my little, like, bit of the world be? And so my prayer is that we would be people that love like God says to love. You know, and um, if we need to know how God says to love, it's Jesus laid down his life right in our place he was willing to give up everything wasn't just willing to sell a few things he was willing to give up everything and um, so we're going to take some time to pray and i'm kind of explain to you guys we're going to pray about like three things and then um then we can bow our heads and pray the first thing is maybe you're here and you don't even know jesus so it's not possible for you to have had a honeymoon stage because you don't know him yet um like, if that's you, we would so, so love to pray with you. Because that's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. You know, the Bible, to put it super short, and if you want to hear more about this, like, please, please come talk to Matt or Christine, or I. We would love to take you for coffee and explain it more. Um, but the Bible says that Jesus came, he was born of a virgin, and he lived a sinless life, and he worked miracles, and then he suffered and he died on a cross. And when he did that, he took your place in my place. Because we're guilty of things that we've done wrong. And he died in our place and three days later he rose again. And when he rose again, he completely conquered death and grave and sin and hell that we deserve. So when we die at the end of this life we don't have to go to hell. even though know, that's what we deserve because we've all done wrong stuff. We can go to heaven. And heaven's going to be like apparently some really good feast, right? Because we've read that part. But it's going to be incredible. Like you guys there are so many days here on earth that just suck. Forgive me for saying that like, there's so many days here on earth that just suck. But the thing that gets me through them is knowing that like one day, and it's probably, you know, in a few years not gonna seem like it took all that long, one day I'm gonna see Jesus face to face. And I don't think that like any of those bad days are gonna matter. I think I'm gonna realize that like being in a bad day it was totally worth like getting through and getting and I think that's one of those things that, like, it's available to all. God doesn't hold that back to anybody. Anybody who's willing and says, like, Jesus, I want to know you as Lord and Savior, like, he comes and, and he does it and he changes our lives it. So if you haven't ever made that decision, man, we want to pray for you to do that tonight. We're not going to embarrass you, but we definitely want to give you an opportunity. The second thing we're going to pray about is maybe you feel challenged to do one of these things we saw the early church did. You know, like maybe you're like, hey, I don't read the Bible. Hey, I don't pray like I should. Hey, I see people in need and I just walk by. Because that's a hard one. Our culture tells us that one's totally fine. And it's not. It's one of those things that like I can see somebody in need and, and like my Christian brothers and sisters can be like, we don't have to help. And I'm like, I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. I can't find anywhere in the Bible that it says I don't have to help that person. Um, And so it's like, if I literally can't help them or don't know how, that's one thing. But if I can and I just completely ignore it, then that's wrong. So I can't find anywhere that says I don't have to, right? Like that is being a Christian, it's helping people. Um, So pray for that. And then maybe the other thing is, maybe God's just calling you back to return to your first love. Like maybe you're at a place where you're like, man, I've been doing this Jesus thing for a long time and I'm tired and my heart has not been in it lately. And if that's you, I'm here for you. Because like, so here's the cool thing. Right? A lot of times we talk about the honeymoon stage, and then like you meet somebody that's been married a long time and they're like, well, I've just been married a long time. Right? And and that's like, it then becomes okay to like treat yourself like crap. Like, you no, know, that's not okay, right? <laughs> like it's not okay. But what's what's really cool is there's times in your marriage, and like I know this now because I'm married. There's times in your marriage where God kind of like brings refreshing, and, and it's like, like crazy beautiful, you know. And, and like there's seasons of like Matt and I've been in where it's like, I love him more than I did at first, you know. Like I just think he's incredible, or I'll have a moment where I'm like, thank you, like he's great, you know. And so it doesn't have to be one of those things that's like just for the honeymoon and you never experience it again, right? In marriage or in relationship with Christ. Um. I think that's a picture of like what God wants us to have. He doesn't want us to have like, well, I came to Christ and that was really great. And now it's like a lot of work. That's not his heart. His heart is so absolutely for us to be like, I came to Christ and I felt absolutely in love with Christ. And like every day I feel more and more and more. And every day I learn more and more and more about him and his word. Every day like, he speaks to me in prayer and I meet with him there. That's what he desires for us to have. Tozer says we can have as much of God as we want. And so really, it's never Jesus that's stepping away or pulling away from us. He's available, but it's up to us to go after him, right? So we're going to pray. And if, or if any of those three are you guys, um, we're just going to have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes so we can raise your hand. And it's just between you and God.